All right, I want to share with you this morning a super interesting story from the Bible that you may not be familiar with. You might not have ever heard this story before. The story actually happens to a pretty obscure king in the Old Testament by the name of Hezekiah. Anybody ever heard of Hezekiah? You familiar with this story? It's a solid baby name if you're expecting. I'm just saying, like biblical names are always a good choice. So anyway, this story happens to Hezekiah. Because Hezekiah is not super familiar to most of us, I want to introduce you to him from 2 Kings chapter number 18 before we actually read the very interesting thing that happened. So as we read these verses, this is not the interesting part yet. Uh, We're going to get there in just a moment. So look at what the scripture says about King Hezekiah, 2 Kings chapter number 18, verses 2 to 7. The Bible says Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines, he smashed the sacred pillars, and he cut down the Asherah poles. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. It says there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. That's a pretty good commendation, isn't it? He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given to Moses. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. Okay, so we learn here that Hezekiah was one of the good guys, okay? There were a long succession of kings throughout Israel's history, and most of them were bad. Hezekiah is one of the rare good ones. And we read here that he was successful in everything he did. God was with him, and literally everything he attempted, everything he did as king prospered. If somebody were writing your biography, like, wouldn't that be a great thing for them to write about you? It's like, God was with her, and everything she did was successful. Yes, please, I will take that. Hezekiah seems very fortunate. He seems very blessed. He seems like everything is going to go perfectly well for him, right? Well, look at what happens. If we go to the book of Isaiah... We go to Isaiah 38, 1 through 5. Check this out. About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. This is about 15 years into his reign as king. About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. Isaiah needs to work on his bedside manner a little bit here, okay? Typically, when the pastor comes in, like you're sick, and the pastor comes in to visit you either at home or at the hospital, we're very encouraging. We're like, God's got this. Don't worry about it. I know you're going to recover. By faith, we believe God can heal every sickness. The entire church is praying for you. Isaiah shows up, and he's like, yo, bro, time's up. You, you need to make your preparations to meet your maker. Say your goodbyes. It's all over. That's because Isaiah was a prophet and not a pastor. He had a different role. His role, his job was simply to speak the truth to people. So he speaks the truth to Hezekiah. He gives Hezekiah some news that certainly Hezekiah was not expecting, didn't want, but this is going to be a pivotal moment in his life. So we move on to verse number two. When Hezekiah heard this, He turned his face to the wall, and what did he do? He prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down, and he wept bitterly. i got to be honest. If I were in his place, I would break down and weep bitterly too. He was only 
39 years old when this message happened. He was a young guy, like he's younger than I am. And it would seem like such a tragedy for a good king to die early, right? Like that, how does that make any sense? They finally get a good one and God's like, nah, it's time's up, you're gonna die. That just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like it should compute. But what Hezekiah does here is he turns away from the message that he received from Isaiah and he begins to speak to God. He offers a 22 word prayer. It's like not super fancy. There's no these and thous. He doesn't even say amen at the end of it. You know what I'm saying? Like this is a very honest, direct, and simple prayer. But I want you to notice that his prayer is based in something. His prayer is based in the fact that for years he had single-mindedly served God and the people of Israel. Every, the plea that he makes to God in this moment, it really comes down to the fact that Hezekiah can say with all honesty, God, I've loved you and I've loved your people. I've done my best to serve you and I've done my best to lead your people to serve you as well. It's a very short prayer, but it's based in his devotion to God and service to others. So after that, this message came to Isaiah from the Lord. So Isaiah's come in, he's like, bro, it's all over. King's like, no, it's too soon. I've done everything I can for you, God, reconsider. The message comes back to Isaiah from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah. Go back to Hezekiah and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer and I've seen your tears. So I will add 15 years to your life. And he does. King Hezekiah lives for another 15 years after this particular moment. And it turns out the last 15 years of Hezekiah's life were the best 15 years of his life. He accomplished more in that final decade and a half for the kingdom of Israel than he did at any point before that. This is an incredibly hopeful story, you guys. In fact, I, I just want to pause for a moment, even before we move on and kind of get to the point of the message today. I just need to encourage somebody to remember that prayer works. Yes. There is somebody that's here and you are weeping bitterly and your face is against the wall and you're praying and it doesn't seem like God is hearing you. I want to remind you, God hears your cry. He sees your tears. And although he will not answer every prayer request with a yes, he often will. And so I just feel in my spirit God telling me to tell somebody, don't quit. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep passionately seeking the Lord and asking for his grace and his favor. Ask for the miraculous. Ask him to extend your life. Ask him to do something that people would say is impossible. Ask God in crazy faith. It's coming. Ask God to do something that only he could do. This story, I mean, I don't know. It just moves me. It gets me hyped up, okay? But beyond that, it kind of got me thinking. Like if I was in King Hezekiah's place, how would I have responded to that news? Like if, if, if the prophet had come to me and said, time's up, buddy, I would have been like, oh man, that's a shame. I really don't like that. But who, you know, what can I do? I can't argue with God and, you know, his will, sovereign, and, you know, probably would have just accepted it. I don't know. What would you have done? How would you have responded? If the, if the prophet came to you and said, hey, this is it. This is all the time you've got. What would you have said? Maybe, maybe we could just ask some direct questions here, okay? You're not going to like these questions, but I'm just going to give them to you because the Lord gave them to me. I had to ask myself these questions. I already went through the uncomfortable feeling, so I want you to have to go through it too. Okay. If God asked you 
to give him reasons to let you live 15 years longer, what would you say? I don't like that question, Dan. I don't like it. I know, me either. If God asked you to give him reasons to let you live 15 years longer, what would you say? I'll tell you what most of us would say. We would say, well, I'm not ready. I just don't want to go yet. You know, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to get on the first bus going there, right? It's like, I get it. We would probably say, I'm just not ready. I don't want to go yet. Well, why? Because I haven't done everything I want to do. Like, God, I'm, I'm 19 and I'm not married yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you could take me two days after my wedding and I'm good for reasons. You know what I'm saying? Like, as a Christian in Bible college, we used to talk about, we're like, Jesus could come back at any moment. We're like, I hope he waits until July 31st, 2004, because... You know what I mean? It's like, God, I've got plans. I've got stuff I want to accomplish. You, this can't end yet. I'm not ready for this. We would talk about the things that we want to do, and I haven't really had the time, God, or, you know, I didn't get a fair shake early on, and so maybe you can give me a little more time later on. We would kind of go through all of these rationalizations, all of these explanations, but I'm not sure our arguments would be particularly persuasive. And in fact, if, this is the second question, if God reviewed the last 15 years of your life, would he be eager to give you 15 more? Because this is what happened. He looked at Hezekiah, who had reigned for just about 15 years, and because of who he was, God was able to give him a blessing in the future. It all came down to how he had been living during the time leading up to this moment. And so if God were to appear to you and say, hey, let's just take a look. What have you done with the time I've already given you? Would he be eager to give you more time? Again, I know. I don't like the question either. All right. Last question is this. And this is the hopeful question. Regardless of how long any of us have left, because you do realize nobody knows. You know this, right? Nobody knows how long any of us have left. The scripture says your life is a vapor. It's here for a moment and then it's gone before you know it. You can wake up one day and discover it is your last day. I'm not trying to depress you. That's not my goal. Actually, I want to I leave you encouraged and hopeful today. But can I just tell you, like you never know what a day is going to bring forth. So none of us know if we have 15 months or 15 years or 15 decades. I don't know. Like science is advancing. You guys, it could be. Who can say? Um, we don't know. Regardless of how much time you have left, would you be willing, are you willing to use your life to accomplish God's purpose? Are you willing to use your life to accomplish God's purpose? That's actually the direction I want to go with the message today. I use that word purpose very intentionally. In fact, it's the final gift of God that I want to remind you of. This whole series is called The Gift of God. We've talked about the gift of family that we have in one another. We've talked about the gift of identity that God has given us through Jesus. Today, I want to remind you that God has given you the gift of purpose. My friends, the Father has placed you here on earth on purpose for a purpose. Do you know that? Do you really believe that? That there is a purpose for your existence? That you are not an accident? That your life doesn't have to be aimless? It doesn't have to be pointless? You can know for sure that you have a purpose and not just know that you have a purpose, you can know what that purpose is. In fact, when you discover your purpose and you're living it out every single day, you will find meaning and fulfillment that you did not know existed. Every single day, no matter what it is you end up doing during the day, you will find that there is a sense of satisfaction that exists inside of you because you're like, this is what I was made for. I know. 
I am fulfilling, achieving, accomplishing my purpose. Now, what's unfortunate is that most people in the world, they never actually discover their true purpose. And it's not because people are evil. It's not because people are stupid. Let me give you the reason that most of us never discover our purpose. It's because we are usually more concerned with plans than purpose. We are usually more concerned with plans then we are purpose. We don't ask the purpose question very often. Typically, we just focus on the plans. This is what the, the Bible tells us explicitly in our text for today. Proverbs 19.21, the scripture says, you can make many plans, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Oh, you guys, this is so good. That 22-word prayer of Hezekiah that we read a few moments ago, that changed his life. The 13 words of Proverbs chapter number 19, verse 21, they have the power to give somebody a breakthrough today. You are going to learn, you're going to realize, you're going to grasp a hold of your purpose this morning. But what, what has prevented you from this point uh, from understanding and apprehending your purpose has been your focus or your concern with plans. See, if I can be real for a moment, most of us are satisfied in life if we've simply got a plan. It doesn't even have to be a good plan, frankly. As long as there is some kind of plan that we feel like we're operating under, then we're okay. There's got to be a plan. God, if I have a plan to find a mate, if I have a plan to figure out which career I'm supposed to take, if I have a plan to know, like, you know, to family planning, right? Um, if I've got a plan for uh, saving for retirement, a plan for getting wealthy, whatever it might be, as long as I have some kind of plan, then I'm usually okay. I'm satisfied. And that's because a plan gives us the illusion that we're under control or that we are in control, right? The plan gives us the illusion that we're in control. It's like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I know what this step is. I know what the next step is. I know what I should expect to happen in my life like because I'm working the plan. So I can kind of, I can say what's gonna happen tomorrow and the day after and, and things like that. It makes us feel like we have momentum and movement in our life. Yeah, I know what I'm trying to do. I've got a plan to get, obtain the career that I've always wanted. There's a plan. We tend to focus or be concerned with plans above and beyond all else. Now, as Christians, we are very spiritual. And we say, well, we don't think like the world thinks. I don't want my plans. I want God's plans. If God has a plan, his plan's got to be better than my plan. So you know what? I'm not going to chase my own plans in life. No, as a follower of Jesus, I just want God's perfect plan for my life. And so we spiritualize it and we say, God, tell me the plan. Have you ever noticed that basically every prayer that we pray is some variation of, God, just give me the plan. God, give me the plan. Tell me which person I'm supposed to marry. Give me the plan, right? Tell me which job I'm supposed to take. God, would you please just give me the plan? Um, which profile should I swipe right on? Which, which home should I buy? We ask God, God, just give me the plan. And listen, don't misunderstand what I'm saying today. The plan matters. The plan is important. The plan has value. And hey, God's plans are better than any of our plans. And so if you're going to chase a plan, then you should chase God's instead of your own. But can I tell you something? If you are going to devote yourself to either pursuing plans or purpose, you should choose purpose every single time. Every single time. Shouldn't even be a question. The, the, the thing that you should be focused on, concerned with, the question you should be asking every day is not, what's the plan? It should be, what's my purpose? If you know that and you're living it out, then you're going to discover that the plans still matter, but they don't matter anywhere near as much 
as you thought. So I want you to notice here in Proverbs chapter number 19, verse 21, that plans and purpose are not the same thing. Plans and purpose are not the same thing. Often we kind of get them confused. We use them as synonyms and interchangeably, but plan and purpose are two very different things. See, what if God is not calling you to focus on the plan, but the purpose behind the plan? You guys know that you can have plans in your life that have nothing to do with your purpose. Have you ever had a plan, and whether it was successful and it worked out or not, after you got finished with the plan or the plan fell apart, you looked back and you were like, what was I even thinking? I've been there. Okay, I'm 17 years old, and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. I'm like a baby Christian. I don't know hardly anything. Um, I've come from a rough background, and I certainly haven't had a lot of advantages in life. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be the first person in my uh, family to go to college. I want to go to university. I want to do it when nobody else has. And so I came up with this brilliant plan. I'm a kid living in a trailer park in Dallas, Texas. And I say to myself, you know what I want to do with my life, the plan that I've come up with? I am going to go to university at the University of Alaska. And I'm going to study zoology. 17 years old, what I wanted to do with my life was clean up panda poo. That was my goal. Like, I was like, I, I think that'd be an amazing job, frankly, like to work at a zoo and get to play with all these cute animals and take care of them and conservation and all this stuff. Like, it seemed like a really good plan. But before I ever got on a plane and flew to Alaska, I had ditched the plan. Why? Because I found something better than a good plan, I discovered God's purpose. I understood that God actually had an eternal purpose for me that could have included cleaning panda poo, but it turns out it didn't. And so because I understood the value of purpose over planning, I ditched the plan and pursued purpose. This is exactly what God wants for you. He wants you to pursue his purpose in your life. Plan and purpose are not the same thing. See, a plan asks, what do I do? But purpose asks, why do I do? You with me? It's a different question. It's a more fundamental or deeper question. It's a more important question. Purpose, or plan rather, is concerned with what we achieve and accomplish. But purpose is concerned with whether what we achieve and accomplish even matters. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, there are a lot of CEOs in the world that we like, we put on a pedestal and we look up to them and we're like, wow, they are doing it, man. And you know what? In 200 years, nobody's going to remember their name. Nobody's going to have a clue who they are. If I could just be real for a moment, like after your great grandkids, nobody's even going to know who you are. So the things that we think are so important, the plans that we're consumed with and what we achieve and accomplish all of that is just as much a vapor as our individual life is. It's here for a moment, and then it passes away, and there's very little remembrance of it. Maybe I am trying to depress you today. I don't know. <laughs> but purpose is different. See, purpose stands where plans fail. Purpose is enduring. This phrase in Proverbs 19.21, it says it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. That word prevail in Hebrew, it literally refers to like a stone or a monument that's placed in the ground and it can't be pushed over. Once it's in, it's going to remain there. This is what purpose is. Once you discover it, once you live it out, there's nothing that will change it. You can live out a purpose rather than concerning yourself with a plan. So I was having a conversation with somebody after the um, service last week, just like literally last Sunday, I'm out in the lobby having a chat with somebody. You might even be here, I don't know. So I'm talking to this lady 
And she says, hey, would you pray for me? I said, sure, what's up? She said, I've really been struggling, and this is why. She said, every single day for me is basically the same. I wake up, I go to work, I come home, I eat dinner, and I watch Netflix until I go to bed and then get up and do it all over again. She said to me, last week she had no idea what I was talking about this week. She said, I'm not sure my life has any purpose. You say, oh, that's so sad. I feel bad for her. Nuh-uh, don't feel bad for her. She's actually on the cusp of discovering her purpose because she didn't say, Dan, I need a new plan. I need a better plan for my life. She said, I need my purpose. And when we live for purpose, then we discover the meaning for our existence. Often we have to be unfulfilled by our plans before we can begin to understand our true purpose. And hey, let's be real. She's not alone. Many of you are living out your own version of wake up, work, watch TV until I go to bed and then repeat the cycle. You're doing it too. We all have this tendency to get caught up in the plan and and never to ask the question like, is this really helping me to accomplish and fulfill my purpose? So let's suppose that you want to know what your purpose actually is. You're like, hey, I'm with you, Dan. I get it. I see it. Light bulb's clicking on. So what's my purpose? Can you tell me? Well, I can. But before we get there, I want to point out something. If you look here at Proverbs chapter number 19, verse 21, we get a very important clue when it comes to discovering purpose. Where does the Bible say in this verse, purpose comes from? It comes from the Lord. Now catch this. There is this tension that the verse is setting up between my plans and God's purpose. We often, we transition from saying, what's my plan? What's my plan? What's my plan? We get more spiritual. We get more wise. And we're like, oh, I don't need a plan. I need a purpose. So what's my purpose? It's the wrong question. We're not asking what's my purpose. I'm asking what's the Lord's purpose. Don't ask what your purpose is. Ask what the Lord's purpose is for you. You start to do that, you'll be much closer to discovering what it actually is. It's a little bit like an astronomer, okay? An astronomer is like looking up at the sky through their giant telescope, and they, they, they find a star way out there in the cosmos. Nobody would say that the astronomer created the star. They simply discovered what was there all along. It's the same thing when it comes to purpose in your life. You don't have to create your purpose. You don't have to manufacture your purpose. This is what most people are trying to do. They're trying to figure out, what's my purpose? I need to figure it out. I need to make one up because we all need a purpose. You don't have to do that. All you need to do is discover the purpose that God has already placed inside of you. He has a purpose for every single one of us. It actually turns out to be the same purpose, spoiler alert. But anyway, all we have to do is to discover what God has already given us. Do you realize this? You don't need to invent something God has already given you. He already says you have purpose. It exists. That should give you so much confidence. It should give you so much joy. It should be so very freeing because the purpose is already there. Maybe I could put it like this, and this is the bottom line. This is what I want you to get today. If nothing else, don't settle for a good plan. Instead, seek God's purpose. This is it. You're like, I'm obsessed with purpose. I want to know what my purpose is. My life feels purposeless. Then don't worry about a plan. Focus on God's purpose. Don't worry about your purpose. Focus on God's purpose. If you will do that, things will start to fall into place. Okay, so what is God's purpose for you? I told you there's a purpose for every single one of us. Does the Bible tell us what it is? Actually, it does. It does. You're like, wait, the Bible said that I'm supposed to be like a plumber? No, that's a plan. We're talking purpose. It's deeper. It's more fundamental than that. Stay with me. Jesus reveals the purpose for every single person on the planet. 
Matthew chapter number 22. We'll put these verses on the screen. Very famous teaching of Christ. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. This is like your number one purpose. Second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says this, you guys. He says, the entirety of the scripture can be summarized by these two statements. The Bible could have been four words long. Do you realize that? God could have said, page one, love God, love people. And that would have been it. Because that's the heart of our faith. That's the purpose of every single person that exists, including me and you. Love God and love people. It's been said, love God and love people are the only things that matter. Everything else is just commentary. That might go too far. But you know, when you get right down to it, Jesus said, the purpose for which we exist is to love the Father and to love the people that the Father has placed here on earth. It doesn't get much more simple than that. The more you love God, and the more you love people, the more fulfilled you will find yourself every single day. Now, I know, you're sitting there thinking, you're like, wow, okay, that's good. But you know, Dan, uh, who am I supposed to marry? You can make many plans. I don't know, find the best match. Make your plan, go for it, it's no big deal. It's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Don't worry about the plan, do your best. But know that purpose is what really matters. You're saying, but which program should I study at university? Like, what if I go this way and I hate it, or I go that way and I can't get a job? You can make many plans, so make them. It's the Lord's purpose that's going to prevail. Is now the right time to buy my own place? Stop asking about plans. Start focusing on purpose. See, plans vary from person to person. My plan is different than your plan. Plans change from season to season. I was going to clean panda poo. Now I'm dealing with y'all's messes, okay? Uh, just jokes, just jokes. I got a little profit in me too. Plans fail from time to time. There have been lots of things that I thought I was going to do in life that did not pan out the way that I expected them to. God did not put us here to stress for 80 years about the plan. He put us here to live 80 years of purpose, accomplishing the thing that he told us to do, to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. This perspective is so freeing, you guys, because it means that you still get to be you while fulfilling your purpose. You can fulfill your purpose whether you're a zoologist or a professional gamer. You can love God and love people doing either one of those things. You can be single or you can be married. You can be a Flames fan or an Oilers fan. You can buy your own house. You can rent a condo. You can live forever with mom and dad if you want to, okay? You shouldn't, but you can. You can fulfill your purpose regardless of which plan you happen to be living out. And regardless of how well things are going to plan, your purpose will always prevail. So I want to wrap up, if I can, by giving you a few questions to ask yourself, okay? These are, again, questions that nobody likes to ask, but if you want to discover a purpose, if you want to be able to experience it and live it out for yourself, these are the sorts of questions that you really do need to ask and answer. So the first question is this, are my current plans helping me to fulfill my purpose? Are my current plans helping me to fulfill my purpose? And here's the truth. They might be. 
again, I was having a conversation with somebody after the service uh, last week or the week before. Uh, I think it was last week. And they said, um, hey, I've just, you know, you're telling me I've got to give up my plans in order to embrace God's plans. But like, isn't there like some time or in some situations won't like my plans and God's plans over, won't they overlap? Won't they align? Yeah, of course. Like sometimes your plans will help you fulfill God's purpose. So like, please, (laughs) I am not telling you today, you need to go quit your job, okay? I'm not saying, you know, you need to dump that person. I'm not telling you what the plan is. I don't know what the plan is. The plan's different for everybody. The purpose is the thing that's the same. So sometimes your plans will help you to fulfill your purpose. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes your plans are actually preventing you from living out your purpose, And you won't know whether that's true until you start to ask the question, are my plans actually helping me to fulfill my purpose or are they hindering me from fulfilling my purpose? You need to ask the question, how do I love God and love people as an auto mechanic? Because the auto mechanic is the plan, right? That's the plan to provide for your family, give yourself work and, you know, reason for being and all that. But you need to ask, how can I love God and love people in my plan of auto mechanicship? It can be done. Do you know that? It can be done. You can be a godly auto mechanic. You can. We need them, okay? You should be asking the question. I mean, like, you might have to think about your job differently, okay? But you should be asking, like, how can I love God and love people in this season of divorce that I'm in? The plan, or actually the the breaking of the original plan, has made me feel like somehow I've lost my purpose. No, 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 no. The Lord's purpose for you will always prevail. There is no plan that can derail God's purpose. So whatever the plan is that you find yourself in in the moment, you need to ask, how, in the middle of this plan, do I love God and love people? If you can do those two things, then the plans really fade into the background. They're just not as important as we tend to think they are. Are my current plans helping me to fulfill my purpose? Second question is this. How can I know if I am truly loving God and loving people? I know that's the purpose. I'm supposed to love God, love people. What does that mean? Like, how do I know if I'm actually loving God and loving people? Well, biblically speaking, love is not defined by feelings or words. Love is defined by action. You know this, right? And, and you know this intuitively. You don't even need the Bible to tell you this. Feelings are easy and talk is cheap. Actions are what matter. Somebody can say, oh, I love you so much, but if they treat you like trash, you're like, no, you don't. They're never there for you. You're like, you don't really love me. See, love is defined by action. So if you want to know whether or not you are truly loving God and loving people, you ask a question like, what concrete things can I point to in the last week that show that I love God and love people? What have I done? How have I served God? How have I prioritized him? How have I served other people? How have I sacrificed? How have I pointed them back towards him? What actions have I taken in order to show, demonstrate that I really do love God and love people? Do you know this is why people serve on the dream team here at Connect? Not because the dream team is their purpose. It's not. Their purpose is to love God and to love people. The dream team becomes one of the easiest ways that they can love God and love people week in and week out. 
That's why they serve, because they understand their purpose. They're like, oh, of course, I show up on Sunday and I worship God, I love him, and then I serve other people. This is a tangible thing that I can point to so that my, my love for people is not merely feeling, it's not merely emotion, it's not merely empty words. It is backed up by the way that I live my life. Honestly, you guys, serving on the dream team is like the easiest way you will have to fulfill your purpose each week, to love God and to love other people. It's so simple. We like literally do all the work for you. All you have to do is say yes. It's like as simple as that. It's not all there is when it comes to serving God and loving God and loving people. It's not like, well, I, I serve one hour a week on the dream team, so I guess I love God and I love people. It's the start. It's the beginning place. This is the shallow end of the pool here, you guys. Like some people are like, man, I want to be swimming in the deep and you know, like I'm, I'm loving God and loving people and everybody sees what big risk I'm taking. And you won't even do something simple like serve on Sundays. Uh-oh. You're already here anyway. My goodness. So like, um, I'm a part of this connect group, right? You should be in a connect group. I think my wife said that earlier. Um, I'm a part of this connect group where we go to the drop-in center and we serve meals during the week, okay? Check this out. I have to like block out my time and then I got to travel to the drop-in center and then I, I got to travel back home, okay? So like, it's a real sacrifice, okay? You guys, you're here right now. Like, you're here. So why not brew some coffee? Why not hold a door? Why not help check in families upstairs? Why not get plugged in? Why not do something actionable, concrete, that you can look to every week and you can say, you know what? I don't know if Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I don't know if I've done a really great job loving people and loving God, but at least on Sundays I'm trying, okay? I want to challenge and encourage you. If you are here and you're sitting and you're soaking it in, boy, that's wonderful and amazing. But at some point you get full. You soak in all there is to soak in and then there's no room left. This is why we talk about life overflowing because God will fill your cup with so much love. God will fill your cup with so much purpose. You don't have enough room to contain it anymore. It's got to spill out of you and into the world around you. So I'm inviting you, hey, if you're not a part of the dream team, we need you. Like seriously, we need you. Two weeks ago, we had our largest service ever at Connect Church. 450 people showed up that Sunday. That's bananas, you guys. As our church continues to grow and new people come week after week after week, we need folks who say, I love God and I love people. And I will put that into action. I will serve. I will sacrifice. I'll do whatever I can to help so that other people can discover what I've discovered in Christ. We really need you. There are a couple of things that we actually need specifically. So if I can, we need, like, we, we always need everything, okay? So there's always room for more baristas. There's always room for more whatever, okay? But in particular, we are experiencing a shortage. We're experiencing a constriction in a few areas. Number one is male vocalists, men that can sing. So our church has, you know, like we just had 450 people come, okay? Um, we have one male vocalist on our worship team. Our worship team is like 40 people, and we have one Male vocalists? No, 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 no. There is some guy that is sitting here today or you are watching online 
and your wife has been nudging you and you've been saying, oh, I don't know if I have time and I don't know if I'm really good enough and they don't actually need me. Sorry to make it uncomfortable, fellas, but like we need you, okay? And it just might be that the plan for you to fulfill your purpose is to come sing on Sundays with us. Ladies, you're not off the hook. We have this very robust worship team, but we have some folks that are moving away. Very, I mean, it's just, it's how life goes. Nothing bad, job changes, you know? And so we need more instrumentalists. We need more people that can play the guitar. We need more people that can play the bass or the keys or whatever. You know, Ray actually attends another church. She's not, like, she's a part of Connect, but she actually has a home at another church. She's just gracious, gracious to show up regularly and help us. Yes, she deserves that, honestly. She should be with her family today. But because there's somebody that like has skills on the keys, but you've been sitting on your hands, she shows up. She, she fills the slack. And so we need you. I, I, like I'm, I'm begging. I don't even at this point, I mean, I need you, okay? Hey, we need people at the sound booth. We can train you. Do you know nobody is born knowing how to run a soundboard? It's like no baby comes out and they're like faders and sends and effects and PA system. No, anybody can learn this skill. You got to be willing. So my question is this. How would I know if I were loving God and loving people, you would know it if you were serving God and serving people. So if you come and you sit and you soak for the next five years, fine. That's good. I'm never going to give you a hard time. I'm not going to single you out. I will never come to you and say, you've been here three years and you ain't served once. I'm not going to do that. But I want you to understand that there is no way our church can fulfill its mission without the people of God living out the purposes of God. Okay, last question, and I'm done. Last question is real simple. Um, if you had a Hezekiah moment, like if you were at the end of your life, would you be confident that you knew and lived out your purpose? Would you be confident? Or would you be like, no, not yet, I'm not ready. I got so much I want to do. Like, I, I, you know, if I had this moment, I wouldn't be like, yeah, I'm ready to go, God, let's go. I, I wouldn't be that way. But I could look back and I could say, you know what? At least I did something that eternally mattered. I could have been a zoologist and that would have been fine. I could have done, I could have accomplished eternal purposes there. But I know because I've just dedicated myself to living out this purpose to the very best of my ability that when my time comes, not if my time comes, when it comes, I'll be able to look back and say, yep, I lived out my purpose. That gives me joy. That gives me confidence. It gives me a hope. And I think it would do the same for you as well. 